Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Glory Group Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kyle Quinn, and joining me today is Phil Brown from Beyond the Pitch. Great to have you back on the show, Phil. Always a pleasure, mate. Thanks for having me. Okay, we're recording uh, just a day after United's comfortable 3 0 win over FC Sheriff, um, which we saw the return of Ronaldo and Alejandro Granacho making his full debut. Were you, were you really impressed, Phil, with Alejandro Granacho last night? I thought he played well. I mean, to be fair, in that position, that. Um... Is probably commensurate, if not less, than the standard he's playing at. Um, but there's still the occasion of playing at Old Trafford, uh, trying to win your with a place. In many ways, to me, look more of a winger than Jaden Sancho. I have question marks about whether Jaden Sancho is actually a winger. Um, I thought uh, Gonacho played like an old-fashioned winger, skillful, quick, gets at you, causes problems, puts you in the back foot, exactly what you want. Played with bravery. You have to remember he's only 18. Um and uh, it's, I think he showed that he earned the right to play. Like Ten Hag said, he'd earned the right to play. And I think he took his chance. So would you say now that Garnacho is ahead of Sancho in the packing order? Not necessarily ahead of Sancho, but maybe ahead of Alanga. <clears throat> I thought it was interesting that Alanga didn't feature at all. Um, maybe I've missed off, maybe he was injured or something. But uh, I thought it was interesting that he didn't feature at all. I thought Alanga did all right when he came on against Everton. Was it Everton? Uh, Chelsea. Uh, I thought he did all right when he came on that game. Um, but um, I thought it was interesting that he didn't feature. You see, uh, the thing is with Alanga, we've seen a lot of him, but we haven't seen much of Granacho. We're probably as fans more dying to see Granacho play than Alanga at this point. Um, want to see him get more game time. Um, obviously, last night he was playing against a team that had like a back six and four in front. Mm. And we're playing against teams that will leave us with more space, maybe some of the bigger teams in the Premier League. I'd love to see what Granacho can do when he runs in behind. Would you be excited to see him play against uh, some of the some of the bigger teams in the future? I think you need to have to do better breaking these types of teams down. Um, whether you play six at the back or not, uh, you need to, I think the chance conversion rate is something like six out of 90 shots, which is just not good enough. Um, they were able to be frustrated against uh, Nicosia too and other teams that sit in against them where they should find it easier to break them down when you dominate possession. They have the creativity in Ericsson and Fernandez and people running off the ball to do that. Um, I think it illustrates the concern that you have with United. If you had to pick one obvious weakness, uh, it would be that there isn't a prolific striker. And I think that costs them. If you look at some of the previous games, for example, the Newcastle game, uh, a top-class striker, United win that game. Uh, you look at the Chelsea game, top-class striker, you need to win that game. Um, the forward line was bailed out against Spurs from not taking chances. Rashford again, bailed out against Everton, um, which was he was poor, I uh, should have scored. Um, you know, it, and you can't have your forward line costing you games. Your forward line have to has to be winning you games, and at the moment they're costing you games. Uh, the midfield is really chipped in the last few weeks, which is badly needed because prior to... The Everton game, he needed had one goal and two assists in midfield, which wasn't good enough. Yeah, I, I would like to think that United's next priority is definitely going to be a centre forward. Um, I know you were saying yourself that United are still looking at Benjamin Sesco and obviously looking mm-hmm. at the South American market. And yeah, if he can get that striker in January uh, by bringing the summer budget forward a little bit, then I'd be on board with that because you don't want to sign in more temporary options like Odie and Agallo. You want to get your main man in in January if you can and that's the obvious weakness 
Um, I'd also like to bring in, you know, uh, a right back to co- to provide competition with Dallo because he's going to need a rest at some point. I know Fringpong has been mentioned. Um, I'm probably going to need another another centre back um, because Varane tends to get injured quite a lot. And then there's obviously the goalkeeper situation that's going to need to be addressed in the summer. So is that how you would see it? Who's the same do you see in Ed McNix? Um, I think the obvious ones are right back, a striker. I'm not as convinced about the goalkeeping situation as some, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. There's this obsession, and it's fetishized about playing out from the back. And every single week, I see teams get caught out playing out from the back because they do it at the wrong time, because they over-obsess. I don't want a sweeper-keeper that isn't really great at saving shots, but he's great with his feet. Um, I think that David De Gea isn't as bad with distribution as people make him out to be. In fact, I spoke to Franz Hoke about this, um, who was his coach, of course, on the Van Hall, and he's bemused at the idea that, um, you know, De Gea's distribution. Then, of course, we hear about Dean Henderson's distribution, and that's why he had to play. I think he'd one of the worst... Um, giveaways rates in the league for, for distribution. Uh, and then I was told it was because he's going long. And apparently, if you go long, you don't have to defend your player. It's okay. Um, and so I, I really worry about people that focus so much on goalkeepers being sweepers. Because here's the thing, Kyle. There's only a few moments in a game when you can really execute that properly. If you try to do it, for example, when teams are set, you're not getting out. Right, because your out ball, you're too easy to mark. So you really have to do it. It's great for setting up quick counterattacks where you can't you take the ball off someone, boom, 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 you go forward quick. But as we saw against Brantford, and it's never been repeated, um, if you don't do it at the right time, it's really easy to defend against, actually. And it's a area of the field where if you make one mistake, players give the ball away in other parts of the field all the time. So why wouldn't they? And even be more nervous in the back four, giving the ball away there. If you overplay, you know, sometimes to me, I think it's over fetishized. And I'll be honest, how many top class goalkeepers are there out there? Well, I would say it's not just, you know, the the guess distribution, which people have have, have questioned. me and myself, I, I mean, sometimes he just kicks the ball straight into the stands when he's trying to play it out to Dallow. So does every keeper. But he doesn't command his area. He's rooted to his line far too much when we're defending corners. You know, you'll remember Schmeichel and Vanessar coming off the line, going through everybody to get a punch on the ball. I don't think he commands his area enough. I don't want to be too disparaging towards the gay because he's been a fantastic servant to the football club. But if he's going to continue on Tin Hag's hobby to have him there, he's going to have to take a reduction in his wages. I don't think he's worth those wages anymore, do you? Well, it depends. I mean, that's I, 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 there's, of all the things I care about, that's one of the least. And I think if you listen to Ten Hag's comments a week ago about contracts, we're not focused on contract renewals. Um, and everyone's going to have to earn that. Uh, United can win the league with David De Gea and goal. They've done that. Um, so I, I, I don't think that it's essential you replace the hair um you know he's not in Spain's 55 squad so I look at other goalkeepers and it is true sometimes you don't know what you're missing until you have a quality player in that position and um 
I look at that and I think, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think it's as... I, I definitely think there's better goalkeepers that turned out with the head, but I don't think the margin is big. And I don't think, as some people make out, I don't think it would completely transform matches. You know, look, obviously, young Costa at Porto, someone you know, I've been linked with. And people get excited because they saved a penalty twice. You know, um, you know he's a Portuguese keeper. He's technically very good. Um, but, you know, for United to buy in January, they have to bring forward a budget. There's no way there's a budget to buy a striker, a right back, a centre back, and a goalkeeper for this summer. Uh, and I honestly don't think that's really that necessary. You know, if you're going to buy a centre back, you're you're in a bit of a dilemma because if you buy a top quality centre back, you have to get rid of one of your starting centre backs. And I think Varane, yes, he picked up an injury. But Verona Martinez is the best centre back player United have had since Lady Ferdinand, in my opinion. And I don't think United are going to go out and sign a top, top centre back, especially with Lindelof in there, who hasn't really let the football club down. Um, so I just don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, for me, striker would be number one, then right back. And then, yeah, of course. And then it could be even a younger midfielder, because as great as the two midfield signings were, they're both. You know, thirty coming thirty one. If we could get a younger midfielder in to supplement them, that would be great as well. But uh, like you say, all those like right back, centre back, goalkeeper, midfield striker, all those positions are not going to be filled in twenty twenty three. Also, you need to get the the, stri- the striker in, and then Ten Hag can choose what other ones are his priority after after that. Um, so just want to move on a wee bit now. Um, just to ask you, who do you think? Uh, who Who's your favorite signing so far? Out of all the signings we made in the summer, um, which one has been your favorite? Um, obviously, it's probably going to be between Casemiro and and Martinez. Um, which one is your favorite? It would be between Casemiro and, and Ericsson for me. Or sorry, Ericsson and Martinez for me. Uh, Casemiro has looked good the last few weeks. Uh, but Lissandro for me, number one. Uh, I think so much of what has changed at Manchester United is down to him and down to his attitude, and down to his influence on others. Uh, you know, when Ronaldo came, we talked about his influence on others and how it would, it, it would transform the football club. Well, it never really happened, but it's happening with Martinez. And I think uh, if you look at Martinez, you look at the characteristics he personifies, you're starting to see that in other players now. I mean, I think that draw against Chelsea may have actually been more valuable to United than three points. If United don't achieve their objectives this season, it won't be because they drew at Chelsea. Um, but how much that will galvanise them, how much that will do for team spirit, for other things, the intangibles, um, I think uh, that was very, very important. I was disrespectful forgetting about Christian Eriksen yeah. obviously he's been a fantastic signing yeah, I, love it. I just I just love watching him I just think he's pure silk I think if you're a football purist that you love the technical side of the game I mean he is a perfect footballer to me you know he, he doesn't get sent off he doesn't get booked he doesn't get in trouble he doesn't you know there's no ways to him I'm, I'm actually really try, trying to see a downside maybe the only downside is he hasn't scored yet but other than that, he's just been fantastic. And a really lovely guy as well, of course. Yeah. Brilliant team again. Uh, in fact, all the signings have worked out so far, haven't they? Hopefully that that that, that stays the same. Because sometimes people come in 
and they do well to start and then they kind of tail off a wee bit. Hopefully, mm. it, they remain consistent because they've been brilliant so far, haven't they? Well, they've, they've all been brilliant, but primarily because they've been bought to play in the system. They're not bought by agents recommending them. They're not bought because the United panicked. They're all bought by a manager designed to fit his system. You know, you'll often see signings come to United, start out well. Once that honeymoon period's over, if they have that dip, then they go somewhere else and you see the best of them. I mean, uh, and that's primarily because whoever's buying them is buying them to complement a system that their game is suited for, where United was just this mishmash of players from Ferguson, Mourinho, Van Hall, you know, Solskjaer, all these players that were not built for the system they were being asked to play. And so you got five signings this summer, or five signings, all of whom have significantly improved the team. And I mean, consider the criticism that Ten Hag was getting for making these signings. Uh, I think it's really unfair. Yeah, they've all re- they've all worked out so far, and he's obviously improved players as well. Mm. He's got, I mean, what he's done with Dallow has been magnificent. He's got Luke Shaw back to his best. Um, you know, De Gea obviously playing well, and then Varane has been fit more this season than he than he has last season, and he's playing magnificently well with Martinez, as you mentioned. They're they're like Ferdinand Village. Um, yeah, so it's it's brilliant to see that not only bringing in you know signings that have hit the ground running, but also uh, he's improved players as well, hasn't he? Well, I mean, they'd have kept four clean sheets, not all at Old Trafford. And I think about Ranjit turning around saying. We're the only football club in the league that concedes goals like this. So, you know, the fact that everything's built off a sound defence. You can't win football games. You know, you, you saw United last season attack as individuals, and you can do that, but you can't defend as individuals. Well, you can see goals, and they were defended as individuals too. You know, one of the things that was blatantly obvious against Spurs and against Chelsea was there was a team performance. That's a foundation that's something to build on. That team, if you play as a team, it will prevent you from losing games that they were losing last season. It will prevent you from conceding goals that they were losing last season. There's no way you need to come back against Chelsea. You know, um, even even that game against Brentford, you know, the United team that played in that game, it was still remnants of last season. And I hate to say it, but whenever I see the likes of Maguire come in, it immediately triggers me and reminds me of last season and it's hard for me to exculpate him and it's hard for me to remove that stain if you like um it's almost like muscle memory or your know, ptsd in many ways where i feel like christ here we go again and um maybe that's unfair to mcguire but you know when fellini came to football club he was maligned for years because he was a remnant of the david moisier I mean, he was stained by that. And I almost feel like Harry Maguire has been stained by what happened. For United fans, still still got that PTSD from what happened last season. And it's going to be very, very difficult for him to extricate himself from that. Yeah, and another player that Ten Hag is getting the best out of is Rashford. Um, the only criticism so far is his finishing. But I don't think he's ever going to be a prolific striker. I think he's always just going to be someone who plays... Get inside left, and uh, that's going to be his position. He's going to create goals. He score the odd goal, but he's never going to be someone. He's never going to be a one chance, one goal man. But still, 
uh, an extremely useful player for Manchester United. And just when you mentioned uh, Maguire there, for me, these next three Premier League games uh, before the World Cup, Lindelof has to partner Martinez for me. I don't want to see Maguire come in. If he, if he plays in the in the League Cup game against Villa, fair enough, but I don't want to see uh, Maguire partnering Martinez. I want to see Lindelof in there because I think he, he deserves it. And he's, he's more match fit at this moment as well. So would you go along with that? Mm. Yeah, I think two things have worked against uh, Maguire as well. Um, one, that period where you needed to have a game for three weeks um, meant that they could pick their strongest team in the Europa League. A, pl- a, a, a platform where Maguire knew games in. Not just Maguire, Van de Beek as well. Other players. Um, so that didn't help. Obviously, picking up his injury didn't help. Um, and the fact that Maguire has come out and said things that were ill-advised, shall we say. And if if you'll notice, one of the things you'll notice in recent weeks, there's been very little social media chatter from players, no social media apologies, no this. You do your talking on the pitch. Lissandra Martinez does his talking on the pitch. I don't need to say whether Lissandra Martinez should start over Maguire, what have you. The, 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 the games do the talking for me. I mean, you do. Um, I think for Maguire, uh, I, I've, I think Ten Hag handled him perfectly. He started out giving the captaincy and said, it's all yours to lose. Okay? So I'm not taking it from you, whereas Maguire could have turned around and said, losing the captaincy before I'd been given a chance to keep it, you know, has affected me heavily, mentally, blah, blah, blah. That's partly why I'm playing badly. He has no excuses. And I think if you're going to be captain, I mean captain of Manchester United, you can't behave the way he's behaved. If Paul Pogba did that or anyone else, he'd be lambasted and rightly so. So to me, I think um I think I think he is going to find it very difficult. Uh because just like Shaw had to do with Malasia, you have to be better than what's in the team. You're getting in this team solely on merit. That's it. It uh, doesn't matter who you are, Cristiano Ronaldo found this out. And the challenge, previously Maguire was getting picked because he was the captain, because of his, you know, he was the England, the England defender, all that. But now it's not the case. Now it's solely on merit. And when you're picking a team solely on merit, he doesn't belong in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last season, uh, there was lots of speculation that Maguire and Ronaldo weren't getting on very well. Um, supposedly Ronaldo uh, felt that he should be captain and not Maguire. I don't know how true that was. But this season, Ten Hag's come in and, and basically dropped both of them. Um, and United are playing well without both of them. Um, obviously, we've seen last week... Um, Ronaldo refusing to come on as a sub and walking down the tunnel, leaving the stadium before the game ended. Now, the only, what really disappointed me was Roy Keane in this situation, standing up for Ronaldo. I just don't get that at all. He obviously has a great admiration for the guy, but I mean, if when Roy Keane was Sunderland or Ipswich manager and one of his players did that, they'd never play for the club again. So can you understand Roy Keane's point of view? 100%. Because Roy Keane left the club in acrimonious circumstances, similar to Ronaldo too, where he felt mistreated at the end. Secondly, he's sticking up for a mate. Right? You do that. First, then Ronaldo's clearly briefing Roy Keane off the record about things that are going on inside the football club. And Keane's trying to be his side of the story, his mouthpiece. 
um, and given some balance to the discussion. You know, when Ranya came out last season and was laying in the players, they were really upset with him because they felt that he wasn't given all sides of the story, that they had legitimate gripes, that the club betrayed them, did certain things, made certain promises they didn't keep, blah, blah, blah. And maybe they have a point here. Um, secondly, this will all be forgotten. There's a statue outside Old Trafford to a player who walked out on United more than once. You know, George Best. And at the time, it was just put down to George's problems. And it wasn't really seen as a betrayal of the football club, more, you know, about his own issues. So there's another one at Seattle Trafford of a guy who played for Manchester City who scored a back heel. Now, he didn't relegate United, but he was involved in the game that did. Right? So this will all be forgotten. Um, I think Roy Keane stood up for his mate and also still is better about the terms that he left under the football club and see similarities with Ronaldo. I don't agree with him. You know, I think Ronaldo has badly handled all of this. I think if you're George Mendes, you say to Cristiano Ronaldo, I don't care how interminably bad it is. You get your head down, you shut up, you try to get some game time so you can go to the World Cup in some type of fitness, uh, with some type of fitness, match fitness, play well at the World Cup, get a move, okay? Because the one thing you don't want to have happen is being banished out of that first team squad and not playing because it benefits nobody. It doesn't benefit United. It doesn't benefit him. So he shouldn't have put the, the request in the summer until he had a con. He believed that Chelsea were going to make a bid for him and he was going to go to Chelsea. I'm certain of that. But obviously the issue with Tobole and and uh, and Tuchel prevented that. I still think Chelsea would probably go for him in January if Graham Potter were allowed. Um, but if you're a buying club, because look, Ronaldo's not playing for Manchester United right now, he's playing for a move. If you're a buying club and you look at Ronaldo, you're factoring everything in and you're going, do we really need this? Yeah, in, in that row between Gary Neville and Keane on Ronaldo, it was definitely on the side of Gary Neville there. Um, and, you know, you've listed the reasons why Roy Keane takes that point of view, but I don't agree with him uh, one bit. I don't agree with him, that's okay. But I can understand why he did it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll move on from the Ronaldo situation now. Sometimes it gets a bit tedious talking about Ronaldo all the time. He, he's constantly mm. the story, even when we're winning games and he's not playing. Um, so Real Sociedad, a big game next week away from home in mm-hmm. San, San Sebastian to avoid a, a playoff, essentially, in the Europa League with a Champions League dropout. And I mean... That includes the likes of Barcelona, Sevilla, Juventus, Atletico Madrid, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have a couple of week midweek rests in February and avoid the, the, that playoff, we need to top this group. We need to go there and win by two clear goals. Do you think United can do that next week? We could definitely do it. I mean, it was ridiculous. The, the defeat at home was one of the worst penalty decisions again. You know, it is just totally bemusing. Um so they're definitely capable, and I think you know, they're a better team than the one that played well Sociedad at home. Um, it'll be a difficult game away from home, of course. Uh, I'm not so concerned with getting some of the Champions League teams. If you're going to win this Europa League, you're going to have to play them at some point. And if you're not good enough to beat Real Sociedad, you're probably not good enough to win this tournament. So um, I think, um, you know, 
in some sense, it might make this tournament more interesting because I don't really want to see any more Nicosia games or FC Sheriff games, to be quite honest. Yeah, I'm with you there. Um, uh, yeah, if we had to play Barca or Juventus over two legs, I think we would beat them at this present moment. Um, not not being arrogant. Well, about we're it. sitting talking about United need to be in the Champions League. That's the type of quality teams are going to play in the Champions League. You know, so either that's United's level or it's not. If United, you know, both of those teams are out for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Inter Milan will you know, play really well against Barcelona. Barcelona are out for a very good reason. Bayern Munich were far too strong for them. They're still not at the top level yet. Um, Juventus have been a mess on the Allegri. Uh, they were four one down against Benfica, came back to four three. They sort of paper their cracks a bit, but they've been poor. You know, they lost to Maccabi here for two. So again, if United can't beat either of those two teams, and I mean Juventus are so somewhat similar to what United were last season, and a total mess, um, then you know I think that that they they should be concerned. Yeah, so we've got three league games left before the World Cup. And, you know, we played all the big teams now in the Premier League and yeah. the games will be considered more winnable matches against West Ham, Villa and Fulham. We'll obviously be targeting nine points here. Uh, and it, if we get those nine points, it, the likelihood is that we'll be in the top four uh, going into the second half of the season. Uh, are you hopeful that United can get uh, nine points in, in these three games? Despite the- Honestly, I think nine points is a big, big ask. I think... Uh... Villa will be revitalized under a new manager, of course, under Unai Emery. Uh, as soon as they sacked Gerard, they scored four. Um, so they will be a different proposition than what they would have been. Um, if uh, if Gerard was still there, that'll be a difficult game for United. Uh, West Ham is a difficult game, as you know. Fulham are, you know, Fulham took points of Liverpool. That Fulham are not. You know, under Marco Silva, or a hard team to beat. So, um, if United took nine points from those three games, I think, uh, I, I, I think that is an unbelievable return. To be honest, if they take seven, I think that's a good return. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think nine points is 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 to beat those three teams. Certainly, they're more than capable. But. Um, I think uh, I think if they did beat those three teams, they definitely would be in the top four. And I think United would be. I think you'd have to say that's the best match United you've seen since Solskjaer for seen Finney Sagan. Yeah, and I think uh, if we do come unstuck in one or two of those games, it'll be because we don't have a prolific striker. Um, I've no doubt we'll create lots of chances in all those games, but it's whether we put them away or not is the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ronaldo showed last night that he can't be relied upon to finish chances, even if, even if he is playing. Because I know he scored, but how many chances did he miss before he scored? So, unfortunately, he, um, he's complaining that he's not playing. But when he does play, he misses a lot of chances. Sure, in the Amona away leg, he hit the post from like a yard out. You know? Look, the guy's at the end of his career. He has been a genius. His numbers are insane. Um, and... It is a bit hard to watch because many people still view Ronaldo through the lens of his prime and it's unfair. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, he's not a top level striker anymore at this level. And scoring goals against Nicosia and Sheriff doesn't answer critics. You know, we scored a good goal against Everton, to be fair. I took it well. Very important goal. Um but 
like Ten Hag said, and I'm not saying playing as the Ronaldo, but the overall point stands. This is not a pitch you learn on. You have to be at the highest level right away. So for me with Ronaldo, it can't be everything. He expects the whole football club to accommodate him no matter what the consequences are everywhere else. You can't have that. And so uh, the consequences are too great for the return. And the performance that he put in against Sheriff is not a performance that would justify his behaviour. Unfortunately, Ronaldo has done the complete opposite to what Eric Cantona done. Cantona retired in his prime, whereas Ronaldo's perhaps went on a wee bit too long. And he's, you know, he's not doing himself justice anymore, unfortunately, and probably not good enough to play for a team like Manchester United, uh, certainly not in the starting 11. Um, and he, he, he's struggling to adapt to becoming a substitute and not being the main man anymore. That could be a reason why he called in the famous um, psychologist, um, Dr. Jordan Peterson. That could be, he might be bringing him in to help him cope with the, his current situation. Wait a minute, what did you say? He brought in Jordan Peterson? Yeah, them two, uh, Jordan Peterson done an interview where he said that Ronaldo gave him a call and he went around to his house and they chatted for two hours. Are you not aware of this? No? <laughs> Fucking joking me. Did you not know? Or you... No, but it confirms another suspicion that I have. I'm not going to talk about it publicly, but um, yeah. Okay, we talk about it off air. <laughs> so the do why he wasn't traveling this summer. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, Phil, as always. Uh, My pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, I'm sure I'll have you on again after the World Cup, and uh, hopefully things are looking as bright as what they are now for Manchester United. Absolutely, anytime. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you, Kyle. All right. See you later. Bye, mate. Yeah.